0: This is a letter from Bob, and it's uh, from uh, October 6th. So I'm going to read what he writes. Uh, It's pretty uh, significant, I think, in more than one way. Says, Hi, Penny, you're August 1. I love these sessions. Tea and consciousness. When you talked about the slow motion Kundalini awakening, I am reminded of my ADD symptoms. Excursions, my term was side trips, losing time, wondering when the conversation changed, and wondering where I was when it changed. I thought I was there the entire time. These are all the things Bob was experiencing. He says, taking a side trip to think about something triggered by what was said and or making connections around what was said also took me to thoughts or conclusions that were far away from where I started. And that was part of my everyday experience. Life is not smooth when you have side trips that often result in very interesting and informative insights, but not apparent in their connection to the events or conversation at hand, i.e. the insights typically do not have any direct relation to the conversations or events that triggered the side trip. In my early 60s, I was diagnosed with ADD, and the medications that helped me focus robbed me of those very joyful, enjoyable, enjoyable connections in making those side trips. Also, in working with a doctor to get off the medications and still have some semblance of focus, he suggested mindful meditation. I had a very difficult time holding the calm meditation. After about a year doing research on the state of mindful, that mindful meditation puts me in, I learned that there are two states. One is a state of doing, where every activity has a plan that includes a beginning, a middle, and an end, and the state of being, which is just a state of being aware, which is the goal, the stated goal of the meditation. So in the case of sweeping the porch for instance I am aware of the broom bristles interacting with the concrete and the dirt how the broom moves the dirt my grip on the broom handle etc but there's no plan to being sure that both sides of the porch are swept or for putting the doormat back in place both of which were often left undone That state of being contains most of the rest of my ADD symptoms. The struggle my whole life was to try to conjure up the energy needed to move from the state of being to the state of doing. There's plenty of literature regarding moving from doing to being, but nothing going the other way. It all assumes the default state is doing. My default state is being. I was fall or failing in the meditation practice because I had to conjure up incredible energy to move to a state of doing and then conjure up more energy to move to the state of being. I didn't have the energy to hold the two states at the same time. I then realized that if I just relaxed into my old state of ADD, I could stay there for hours. So here's my question. He says, what is the difference between a slow motion kundalini and ADD? What is the difference between being in a default state of being and ADD? So the answer to the first question, what's the difference between a slow motion kundalini and ADD, is not much. Okay, so when you have a spontaneous awakening of kundalini and and tons of, and you have a consciousness with no boundaries the information is pouring in from every direction constantly without interruption and every single thought you have, every single perception you have, changes the information flow and what's, you know, right in front of you at the moment. So there's not much difference um, between that and ADD, okay? The, what I would say is that in a spontaneous awakening where it all happens in an instant, um, you end up having to deal with that. And you you end up having to integrate the information. Yes, it's nice to just float along and, and be in that information and let things come through and and etc. It, it it ends up expanding you. And that is one of the main goals. You then have to integrate that. What do you mean? What do you what do you do with that? What do you want that for? What how does that fit? If you don't do that, then it's just data bits coming in it took me three years to learn to turn that focus on and off again it took me 17 years to figure out how to integrate so and that was from a spontaneous awakening that you know started in 1978 79 Um, so what often happens is that people um, how do I say it, people plan a series of lives in which they can explore each aspect of awakening with uh, with the whole life. So you would choose a life in which you say, okay, I'm going to have a life in which my equipment, my brain equipment is going to um have ADD it's going to not be able to produce the chemicals that produce the focus and I'm just going to learn to enjoy that I'm going to be comfortable with what you call the side trips I like that um the excursions that I used to have or the windows that suddenly open and show you something the question that you um are not asking perhaps in a life in which you're just dealing with the opening, the, uh, the information that's out there. It's, it's, um, it's mind boggling how much information is out there and how much access we have to that. Um, so we can plan a life in which we have, um, l- let me just make some stuff up, but I've seen pieces of this in various lives, okay? Somebody has a life in which they come down and suddenly at puberty, boom, they begin hearing voices, they begin seeing ghosts or spirits. They begin talking with people that can't, that other people can't see. And so those people are considered to be um, schizophrenic, insane, um, and they're put away. So that's one uh, the beginning experience of awakening. Maybe the next lifetime is one in which they're basically understanding, the system that they're in. How do I get out of this system? How do I get out of the insane asylum? And so you end up learning a lot about how your civilization in your particular little local area works. And then the lifetime after that, you have maybe the ADD, ADHD experience in which you can't focus on anything. Why? Because there's so much wonderful information coming in. And then maybe the next lifetime, you're completely focused. You can't, you have zero ability to imagine anything outside of what's right in front of you. And and so you focus on this and you become an expert in something, you know, could be anything. Um, And then maybe the next lifetime you're focusing on integration. Maybe you're teaching second graders and you're watching their perception and how they put things together. And then maybe the lifetime after that, it it kind of all comes together and you make a change, a core change, in your individual um, frequency matrix. So that's it's a slow motion kundalini awakening. It's a slow evolutionary process, but it still works. You know, it it doesn't... um, make uh, mothers and fathers if you have a child with ADD it doesn't make them happy sometimes it doesn't make teachers happy it doesn't make for a huge success in the world um but it's still successful in terms of the individual so um that individual is busy stretching themselves changing their core so um okay so uh let's see um, so that, let me just kind of summarize that there isn't much difference between a slow motion kundalini awakening and ADD. Okay, um, people use an individual life as a teaching moment. Okay, instead of cramming it into a spontaneous instant awakening in which you have to keep going or you end up in the nut house, um, you you end up. Um, you end up having the whole life is a slow motion, kind of relaxed way of being. And that's all you need to do is to recognize that we have these capacities, that the void is there, um, which uh, brings me, let me say the um, uh, couple other questions that you ask here. Um, uh, you say, I'm tired of fighting for focus. How do I use the state of being for benefit? There has to be a great benefit of being in that state or so much energy and time would now be spent trying. Um, And then he, he has a little extra thing here. He says, as I was describing my state of being to my doctor, I realized that I would often between connections Listen to the void and wait. I remember it being very quiet and very peaceful. Yes, it is. (laughs) It was such a common occurrence that I never questioned what I was waiting for or what I was listening for. I have now learned that term void is a desired destination in meditation. I wonder if the void I was listening to is the same void desired in meditation. How would I know? Okay, so um, there's quite a bit in this last paragraph here. Um, yes, there is a benefit of going to that place where um, where it's just quiet and peaceful. That's one layer, one option, one description of a void that humans often experience where there's nothing there. But the void, capital T-H-E, capital V-O-I-D, that is a little different. That is a state that is absolutely electrifying it is orgasmic. When you get into it, it's like a frozen orgasm and you're in that, you're paralyzed by bliss. Um, there's no sense of self. There's no patiently waiting. And when people are talking about getting to this place where they're absolutely quiet, the hope, the teaching of a lot of meditative systems is that the the real void will actively push energy through your system just you know (laughs) um it's kind of like a freight train blowing through it's kind of like a bomb blowing up it's kind of like a waterfall falling up and washing you away it's a roaring absolutely all-encompassing roaring sound um, the sound of a million jet engines, the sound of Niagara Falls, the sound of of a train, you know, rolling by, rolling through. Um, it's not quiet, and it's and you're not waiting patiently. However, when you're in that state, when you're in the real void, not just between perceptions, but in the void, capital V. That is a state in which you hope that the energies of the universe are going to roll through you and give you enough energy to reorganize your frequencies into a higher, more effective state of being, a more perceptive being, a more powerful being. So, and there's no mistaking when that happens. Um, so you say here that um it's such a common occurrence. I never questioned what I was waiting for. That is one of the things I try to teach my students. Often, you know, there'll be a bunch of people, we're all in the class, and we're going through talking with each one, they're sharing what did they see in that exercise. And the rest have to just wait. And that is part of the training. Is learning to sit and wait, listen, observe, not have to do anything. We are so pressed and so pushed and so, you know, under the gun to get stuff done and figure out this and take care of that. Nobody ever makes time and space for just sitting, just being, enjoying your own thoughts, maybe making notes while somebody else is talking, and yet still keeping half an ear out for what they're saying. Because a lot of times what they're saying is informative and instructive to the same degree that what I say is hopefully informative and and instructive. People learn from one another, but that doesn't mean you have to be like glommed onto that person in order to learn. You allow yourself to have thoughts that take you off in, in side trips um because that then opens a window for you that is relevant only for you so um uh the void when truly reached allows an influx of energies that can be used and are used by th- your system to reorganize at a higher level of function so um the You can get to this place of what I call mindlessness, but that's not the void. That's not the real void. That's just a state of mindlessness. What I have learned and found to be most useful is you can get to a state of mindlessness, which is absolute and utter clarity. Nothing's happening. And then you can ask a question or ask to see a vision, or have an audio perception, Some, somebody tell me why this, or what's that about, or somebody show me, you know, you give yourself directions to see this, to hear that, to feel such and such. That's what that void that you're talking about is useful for. It's a clearing mode, you come to the clearing in the middle of the woods, And at that moment, you can give yourself directions because your consciousness isn't busy with anything else. So um, that's how you would know. (laughs) So the last question here, let me repeat this. Um, I have now learned that the term void is a desired destination in meditation. And I wonder if the void that I was listening to was the same void desired in meditation. How would I know? You would know because in the mindlessness of that clearing, there's no perception, nothing's happening, and you're just sitting there, and it is comfortable, but in the the real void, the big void, the source, that's a whole different story. That is like being electrocuted uh, and whipped around on the end of a rope and um you know being exploded into a million particles that then spread out across the universe and you as an individual no longer exist you're just part of the void the big void the source okay i hope that's helpful